Hi, Bridgewater. We're coming off a year in which we got to watch God work in incredible ways. 2023 brought so many opportunities to get involved in what God was doing, and we were able to capitalize on so many of them. If you want to rehearse some of what we watched God do in 2023, you can check out that message at bridgewater.church messages. One thing is clear coming off of 2023, and that is that God has given us so many blessings and entrusted us with so many resources. Let me zoom in and name a few of the blessings and resources he's given us this past year. We saw 91 people respond to the gospel message and make the decision to trust Jesus as forgiver and leader. We got to baptize 117 people, and we got to hear their stories of how God changed their lives. He's allowed us to invest in and influence 1,281 individual kids who attended Bridgewater Church in 2023. He's given us financial resources. We finished the year on target financially, and God's people at Bridgewater brought in over $2.6 million dollars. We even saw over $300,000 given in Vision 2023 offerings. He's allowed us to have an impact on so many people. We averaged 1,898 people in attendance last year. On top of that, many of you took your next steps of faith and grew in your relationship with God. Now, allow me to zoom out and talk about the big picture things God has entrusted to us. He has uniquely positioned us to be a blessing to those in need both here and around the world. He's given us influence in our communities and beyond, and we've been entrusted with the most important message in the world. Though we are great sinners, Jesus is a great Savior. It is this truth that changes lives and this truth that fuels our growth to become more like Jesus. But what do we do with all those blessings and resources? How should we respond to all of it? Just celebrate and enjoy it? relish the fact that God has changed our lives, come together in weekend services to celebrate God rescuing us from sin, and then meet in small groups during the week to learn more about his word? Yeah, maybe. But is there more? Is there something more we should be doing? In other words, what should we do with all that we've been given? To answer that question, I want you to consider this $100 bill. Financial expert Dave Ramsey says that $100 a month invested from age 25 to 65 becomes $1,176,000. Now, some would argue based on interest rates and investment types that the more realistic amount is like $650,000. But the point is, when you invest it, it grows. What you have, you invest. If it's not invested, it will never be anything more than what it is. And at Bridgewater, we're not interested in just holding on to the $100. We want it to become more than it is because that's the kind of wisdom and work that Jesus is looking for in his followers. Now, our mission is clear, making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. But I want to talk about our vision, the vision of what we want to see happen as we invest the resources God has given us. So I want to look at some words Jesus said. And while there are a number of things Jesus said that motivate us, this year, the words Jesus speaks in Matthew 25 are ringing in our ears. Here's what he said in Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, last week, we concluded our final countdown series, looking at what it takes to live ready for Jesus' return. And here in Matthew 25, in a parable designed to help his followers be ready for his return, Jesus makes an interesting point. 
he uses the illustration of a man who had three servants. The man gives five talents to his first servant, two talents to the next, and one talent to the third. Now, the first two servants saw a 100% return on their investment. The third servant didn't invest his talent, but buried it and had no chance of seeing it grow. The man ultimately took this talent away from him and gave it to the one who would invest it. The point is simply that being ready for Jesus' return involves more than playing it safe and simply holding on to what you've been given. It demands the kind of investment that produces results. And this pleases God. You see, 85% of churches in the United States of America that believe in Jesus and preach his word are declining. It means they're not reaching people, and we do not want to find ourselves in that number. Just in 2019 alone, 4,500 Protestant churches in North America closed their doors for good, while only 3,000 Protestant churches were started. That's a deficit of 1,500 churches. So this is why we think God is not done with us yet. In light of all he's blessed us with and entrusted to us, we expect to see a great return on our investment. We refuse to bury what we've been given in the sand, and we desire to invest in people's lives. And if we do, we believe we'll see evidence of that investment growing in specific areas. And I want to share with you what we're asking God to do with the investment we're making this year. This is the kind of return we're praying God gives us. Let me show you our goals for 2024 and invite you to join us in pursuing them. First, we're asking God to use us to save 100 people. This means we're faithfully committing to share the gospel of Jesus personally and through our ministries and weekend services. We're also praying uh, that we'd be effective at coming alongside you to better equip you to share Jesus with the people you know. I'm urging you to consider how you can become more involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus with people. Second, we want to see 125 people take the next step of baptism. This means we're going to be urging people to take this next step after trusting in Jesus as their forgiver and leader. Wouldn't you want the privilege of having the kind of spiritual influence on someone's life where they choose you to be the one who helps them take that next step? Or maybe you've trusted in Jesus as your forgiver and leader, but haven't yet taken the step to be baptized. This is your year. Third, we want to grow in generosity and see our general fund giving increase by 10%. We think you're missing out on being a part of what God is doing through Bridgewater if you haven't yet joined us in giving back to God. God has been so generous towards us, so this is what we do. This also means that your church leadership is committed to directing the funds to meaningful and worthwhile endeavors that make a difference in people's lives. How can you take a next step in trusting God with your finances this year? Every contribution you make makes you a part of all God may do. And we don't decide what God accomplishes with what we give. We just decide what we give. And in light of all God has done for us, we're excited to trust him with our finances. Fourth, we want to see weekend service attendance increase by 15%. Did you know that over the last decade, our church has grown by 14.8% each year? And last year alone, we grew by 18.3%. This means you are doing the work of praying, investing, and inviting. That is praying for, investing in, and inviting the people you know to join you in coming to Bridgewater. We love to partner with you in helping you reach the people you know. We've worked to make our services accessible and relevant as we strive to communicate God's word clearly and accurately. But we only reach this goal if every one of us is a minister where we live every day. 
So we wanna help you grow where you're planted. We wanna come alongside you, helping you more effectively reach the people in your world, workplace, and community. This means we're gonna double down on helping you invite people to join us in coming to Bridgewater services, small groups, and events. If God is working here, why wouldn't we want the people we know to experience it and be a part of it? So we're gonna prior prioritize serving our communities and coming together for worship. Remember that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Okay, last ones here, and, and they're tied together. We're asking God to help us multiply people who serve within Bridgewater, growing our volunteer base by 100 people. And along with that, we're asking God to multiply our reach by launching another service, gathering, or campus. This means we're working to develop more volunteers for roles in the church, to see a new community reach, to influence a new school district, to see more lives changed. Did you know that since the launching uh, back on October 22nd, we have seen four people trust in Jesus as their forgiver and leader in our Hancock community gathering. You see, we have a vision beyond the walls of our current facilities and beyond the boundaries of our communities. We think Jesus was serious when he said, to whom much is given, much will be required. So in light of all the people and material resources he has given us, there are investments to make. And again, we're talking about vision, a vision for people in your life who don't know Jesus to become followers of Jesus. A vision for those in your workplace to lean in, to hear what you have to say because you live out your faith in such a winsome and attractive way. A vision to have a vibrant, growing community of faith in communities where it's lacking. A vision to creatively participate in what God is doing in the world. A vision to ask and expect big things of God while we innovate and take risks. A vision to see exponentially more people jumping in to become a part of what God is doing among us by serving, giving, praying, investing, and inviting. The question that remains is, do you want to be a part of that kind of investment? Why not join us? Now, what will all this mean and how will this look at your Bridgewater location? You'll hear next about the specific opportunities that lay ahead for you to join in what God is doing at Bridgewater and how you can make an eternal investment in 2024. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And we really are excited that you are here with us today. And just for a few moments, I want you to imagine that you are one of the very first disciples of Jesus. That you are Peter, or you are married to Peter, and you and your family have this incredible fishing business off of the Sea of Galilee. And your whole life is really mapped out in front of you. Because that's what your dad did, that's what your grandfather did. If you're married to a man like this, that's what he did and, and his grandfather. And that's all you know is, is fishing. And you're living under the Roman occupation. And so you just do your best to keep your nose down. You pay your bills, pay your taxes, and you just keep your mouth shut. And all of a sudden, you're, you're there, you're fishing with your brother, with your family, and off the coast you see this man walking towards you. And at first, you don't really recognize him at all. But as he gets a little bit closer, you realize, that's Jesus. I mean, this is the guy that everybody's been talking about. This is the guy that's been doing things and saying things that no other rabbi has ever done 
or said ever. And he walks up onto the beach and he comes up to Peter and he says, Peter, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I mean, that's an incredible statement. Jesus is saying, Peter, come apprentice under me. And Peter immediately drops his net, drops everything, and just leaves. And he follows Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. What, what would make Peter literally drop everything and walk away? I mean, what kind of Kool-Aid was he drinking? He's leaving his friends, his family, he's leaving his business, and he's following a guy who, by the way, has no money. <laughs> by the way, has no source of income, no organizational structure, no prediction of what's going to happen in the future, and literally leaves everything. Not just to walk down the beach with him, but to follow him with his life. And so what does it look like to follow Jesus? And what does it look like to fish for people? Because Jesus is saying, Peter, come apprentice under me. Come live your life with me. See, Jesus is calling these 12 disciples to do just that, to be apprentices. That means this is not a nine-to-five internship. You are literally living your life with this rabbi. Wherever he sleeps, you sleep. If it's in a room, in a bed, you're sleeping there. If it's off on the ground, in a tent, that's where you're at. You're eating when Jesus eats. You're eating with Jesus. You're walking from town to town to town, doing the things with Jesus. As he teaches, you're sitting there, taking it all in, learning everything that he does. How does Jesus live his life? He's calling them to apprentice under them. It's, it's like if you wanted to be an electrician, you might do an apprenticeship. And that electrician would teach you, okay, here's how we wire up a fixture. Here's how we wire up a switch. Here's how we wire up a house. Like, here's how I do it. Here's how everything that we do, this is my way, right? Other electricians might do it a little bit differently or a lot differently, but this is our way. And this is exactly what Jesus is calling these disciples to do. Come, apprentice under me. Let me show you what it looks like to live your life and follow God. John Mark Comer says this. He says, contrary to what many assume, Jesus did not invite people to convert to Christianity. He didn't even call people to become Christians. He invited people to apprentice under him into a whole new way of living, to be transformed. And so these group, these, uh, these 12 men, they begin to apprentice underneath Jesus, learning what does it look like to live like he lives and learning how he does life and doing all of those things. They go out into all of the world. They begin sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus. And God begins to radically transform people's lives. He begins to heal people, not just physically, but spiritually. He begins to breathe new life into marriages, brings restoration into relationships, begins to bring people out of the darkness, wiping away sin and guilt and shame and fear as people begin to follow Jesus. Life after life after life is changed and transformed. And these men continue to go and they continue to share the gospel. And it's incredible. 
And fast forward a few thousand years, and God is still on the move. And we heard about that, right? Josh talked about a lot of numbers. Now, maybe your eyes just kind of glazed over. You kind of zoned out for a minute. You nodded off for about three minutes. But listen, I love what Josh said. Because every number has a name, and every name has a story. And those stories matter to God. Some of those stories are here in this room. God has radically transformed your life. And you have a story. And every single person matters to God. And that's why our mission is just this. We strive to make more and better disciples, more and better apprentices of Jesus, people who will follow and study, not just learn and download more information, but go and live their lives for Jesus so that other people's lives could be transformed. So where does this come from? It comes right out of Acts chapter 16. So if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, go to Acts chapter 16. If not, we have it on the screen. And so this brand new thing, the church has begun. It's beginning to grow. It's not in buildings like this, but it's in people's homes and it's spreading all over. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they begin to record what's happening. So Acts chapter 16, here's what is said. Verse 1, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young man named Timothy, a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. There it is, right? The church began to grow. There's the more, right? We're striving for more disciples, more apprentices, more people to follow Jesus. And they didn't just sit there and stay the status quo. They were, they were strengthened. They got better. And so as a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you've decided, I'm going to make Jesus the leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins, he doesn't want you to just stay there. He's calling you and I as followers of Jesus to get better in our faith. And better disciples, stronger disciples, more mature disciples will go and have this passion to go reach other people who are far from God to make more disciples. It's not just either or, it's a both and. We're simply not just trying to, to get more people in the room. That's not my desire at all, right? If we wanted to just simply get more people in the room, there are better ways to do that. But we want to apprentice under Jesus in such a way that we would saturate all of Broome County with the gospel. I want Broome County, here's my personal vision, I want Broome County to be the hardest place for people to get to hell from because you and I are so passionate about going and sharing the gospel. As you go in your schools, 
your workplace, your gym, your grocery store, your neighborhood, talk to people that live in your house, we would be thinking about, okay, what does it look like to really apprentice under Jesus? And as I'm apprenticing under him, what did he do? Okay, he went and he talked to other people who didn't understand and he had spiritual conversations about faith. So how are we doing with this? How are we living on mission? Well, last year, we saw 10 people from our Conklin campus put their faith in Christ. And that's amazing. 10 people made Jesus the leader of their life and forgiver of their sins. That's an incredible thing. We also saw 18 people go public with their faith by going and getting baptized. That's incredible. We have a few more people getting baptized in our next service, next weekend. We've already had two people this year ask Jesus to be the leader of their life and forgiver of their sins. That's incredible. God really is doing an amazing thing. But here's our reality. Every year we take a church survey, right? Which I know some of you really love. But that's super helpful. And we really do appreciate the time that you take out of that service to fill out that survey. It helps me get an eye and ears on what's going on into your life. It helps me put my my finger on the pulse of uh, Bridgewater Conklin. And there's some really cool things that I learned, right? 63% of us are inviting people. That means 63% of us are thinking about people who are far from God. We're praying for lost people. We're investing in them. We're inviting them in the spiritual conversations, maybe even inviting them here. That's up from the year before. The year before was 57%. So we went from 57 to 63. That's awesome. I also learned that 42% of us are in a small group. That's up from 41%. Now, That doesn't sound like much, but let me tell you this. Our campus grew last year by 24%. So if our campus is growing by 24%, it's really difficult for our small groups to keep up. But you guys decided, okay, I want to be in community. I want to surround myself with other people who know and love Jesus, and I want to do life with them, not alone. These are amazing, and we should celebrate them. But there's a lot of things going on in Broome County. There's a huge need, and I want to share some of those statistics. There's approximately 200,000 people that live in Broome County. 9.4% say they go to an evangelical church. 7.3% go to a mainline church, and 24.6% go to a Catholic church. That means within Broome County, there's approximately 82,000, 83,000-ish people who are saying, I go to church somewhere. That leaves a lot of people, 117,000, give or take, say, I don't go anywhere. I'm far from God. I have no desire to follow him. I'm not plugged in anywhere, which means we have an incredible mission field out those doors. I can't do it by myself. We need you guys. Because as you go to your schools, as you go to your workplaces, as you go to your neighborhoods, as you talk to people that you know, you have relationships I will never have with those people. They know you, and you know them, and you already have pre-existing relationships. God has already placed people in your sphere of influence. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's called you, okay, let's go saturate Broome County with the gospel This is awesome, right? 
Because Jesus wants to see people's lives changed and transformed. And so imagine, there's about 300 of us that come every single weekend. Imagine if 300 of us begin to pray for one person who was far from Jesus. Imagine if we begin to pray for two people. 600 people being prayed for. That we begin asking God, God, would you change this person's life? And would you change this person's life? And then imagine we begin to just simply invest in those people. Maybe take them out for coffee or breakfast or lunch or have a conversation with them. Do things that you already enjoy doing. Play golf with them if that's what you like doing. Whatever it is, right? But, but invest in those people. Invite them over your house. Get in their life. Invite them into conversations about spiritual things. Invite them here. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge all of us that we wouldn't play it safe this year. As I think about playing it safe, what Josh said, right? There's a company that comes to mind. It's Blockbuster. Ever heard of Blockbuster? Some of you still have your Blockbuster card in your wallet. <laughs> Blockbuster played it safe. They thought everybody would always be using VHS. And they thought, okay, everybody will always be using DVDs. Nothing will ever get streamed on the internet, ever. And good luck finding a Blockbuster and using your Blockbuster card. They played it safe. And they died. What happens if followers of Jesus play it safe? What happens if Bridgewater Conklin plays it safe? Here's my challenge to you. In the seat pocket in front of you, there should be one of these. I want to challenge you. This is not for everybody. But here's my challenge. That you and I, over the next three months, we would commit to praying and fasting. Maybe fasting one day a week. Maybe over a meal. You just give up a meal and you just begin praying for people to trust Christ. I can't manufacture this. I don't want to manufacture this. I want God to change people's hearts. Your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, your teammates, people that are in your world. And then I'm praying, asking God to bring 25 people who've already decided to follow Jesus to go public with their faith through baptism. And I'm going to pray and think, what if God could prepare us? What could, God, what could God do if he used us to launch another campus in the next two years or another gathering? What if we saw 10 of you share Christ with somebody and those people put their faith in Christ? I love sharing the gospel with people. I love leading people to Christ, but I love seeing you do it even more. Jim Collins talks about BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. <laughs> That's a little scary. I'm going to pray for 20 people to trust Christ, but I'm also asking you to commit. I commit myself to invite at least one person per month. Ooh, it's a big ask, Tim. I know, it's big, it's hairy. I commit myself to sharing the gospel at least one time per month. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to put this back in the seat pocket. It's not for everybody. It's big, it's hairy, it's audacious. I want to learn more about investing in others. I want to share the gospel with others. I want to learn more about what if as a small group we started doing that. We started talking about how do we share our faith. We did a, a curriculum or a video through our small group. We're going to start serving. 
I'm asking you to consider to not play it safe this year. Sign this. Give me your name. Give me your email. There's a blue rectangle by the Welcome Center sitting on a chair and say, I'm going to go all in. If you're not, then don't fill it out. That's okay. But I want you and I, as we begin to think about what does it look like to apprentice under Jesus, how might we live our lives? How might we saturate Broome County with the gospel and not play it safe? Because imagine what God might do in and through this ministry right here. Let me pray with you. God, you are amazing. And we know... (laughs) There's incredible things happening right now in Broome County. We know there's incredible things happening all over the world. And we know you've called us to follow you, to go and share the gospel, to go and make more and better followers of Jesus. Would you give us the courage and boldness to do that? Help us to live our lives for you and not play it safe this year. In Christ's name we pray, amen. In a moment, we're going to move into communion. So if you have one of these communion cups, could you go ahead and find that now? If, if you don't have one, we have some people in the back that might be able to help you out. As you're doing that, I want to remind you where, where this came from. You know, Jesus is sitting in this upper room with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and they're having this Passover meal. And the Passover meal came from Israel. As Israel was leaving Egypt, they're leaving 400 years of slavery. God gives this group of people some instructions. And he says, I want you to have this meal. It's a quick meal that you can hurry up and leave. Take a lamb's blood, paint it on the doorpost because God had given Egypt nine plagues to get Pharaoh to wake up. And he's giving Egypt a tenth plague. The firstborn of their families is going to die. But if you take this lamb blood and paint it on the doorpost, the angel of death will pass over their house and your family will be safe. And these Jewish men are sitting around a table and they're celebrating, remembering what God did as God brought them out of slavery and set them free and protected them. And so they're meeting up in this room and Mark, uh, we see this. In the evening, Jesus had arrived with the 12, and as they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is one of you, 12, who is eating from the bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be For the one who betrays him, it will be far better for that man if he had never been born. And then Jesus gives instructions and he's talking about the bread. He says the bread really is a a symbol, a picture of Jesus' body that we look back at and go, okay, he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And the cup, the juice, it's a picture, it's a symbol of the blood that was shed for your sins and my sins. And so as Jesus is given these instructions. He's looking forward as we're doing this. We're looking back. And here's what happens. As they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. 
as you work on that juice, be careful because some open easier than others. But as they're sitting around that table, here's what Jesus says. He took the cup, the cup of wine, and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth. I would not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of heaven. God, we are thankful that we can look back on that time where you gave up your life and sacrificed it for my sins and for our sins. And you made forgiveness possible. As we think about and consider what does it look like to really apprentice under you, would you give us boldness? Would you give us courage to not simply play it safe this year? but to really go all in and follow you, live our lives as you lived your life. Would you put people on our minds who are far from you that we can begin talking to you about, we can begin investing in, having spiritual conversations with, and would you radically transform people's lives? And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.